Welcome to The Kingstonian, a podcast that profiles individuals who are passionate about what they do for a living, about what organization they belong to, or simply passionate about the community they are a part of. Hello there and welcome. My name is Dave Cunningham. A name most often associated with his time at the Ambassador Hotel, and now a big part of the promotion and management of the Kingston Pen Tours. Our guest is Vinny Rabello. So Vinny, welcome to the program. Well Dave, thanks for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. Whenever I see your name in print or in social media or hear about you on television or radio, it's always in connection with you promoting the city in some way. Absolutely. That's what is it about this city that you like? Well, this is the city that I was, uh, I, I came here in 1963 as a, as a small boy with my parents. We immigrated here from uh, the islands of the Azores in Portugal. And, uh, you know, I, I, I grew up here. I, I, I grew up here. This was, this was my life. This is my city. I went to school here. I uh, went to uh, St. John's School, St. Pat's School, Regie, Queens, uh, married my childhood sweetheart, got involved with the, in the Ambassador Hotel, and uh, you know, that was my life here. Just Kingston was just been, Kingston has been so good to our family, so good to us, you know, and uh, it's, it's, I, I, just, I just love this city. Like, it's, it's, it's perfect in every way. Like, I know people say it's the greatest city in the world. To me, it, it is one of the greatest cities in the world because it's got... It's, it's perfect for me. Now, having been involved in the hospitality industry for a long time, I would imagine that you've traveled a little? I have, yes. I've traveled quite a bit over the years. Do you compare other cities to Kingston? What is it that uh, we have that they may not have? Uh, well, every city's different. Every yeah. get that got their own uniqueness. Uh, you know, uh, Kingston is um, it's, it's, uh, it's a, it's a little, little town. With a big city feel to a certain extent, mm-hmm. um, it's got a little bit of everything that you that you'd want that you want in a big city without being uh, encased in the concrete jungle. Right. You know. Um, you know. I, I, like my in my travels. You know, I, I've traveled a bit. Obviously, not a lot as most people would think because working in the hospitality industry for the time that I did, it's twenty four seven, three sixty five. That's right. There's really no downtime in that respect. Uh, you know, I look at the small towns like uh, that I've been to. Uh, Halifax comes to mind. Um, you know, Venice, you know, even Venice comes to mind as well, too, about, about uh, and I'm not comparing Kingston to Venice, but uh, just the, the, the feel of, of being there and fe- be feeling welcome and uh, just feeling a part, part of the community. It's, uh, it's, it's hard to describe. It's hard to put in words. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Now, you and I share a couple of things besides a birth date. Uh, are you are you in April the ninth birthday too? Exactly. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I went to a big to year for me this year. Eh? And I, I know. Yeah. We won't tell people. No, we won't tell people okay. that. Uh, I went to Regie. Yeah. Went to Queens. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Now uh, you started off high school. Well, you were in high school at Regie. Yeah. And like any other kid in high school, you're looking for a part time job. Absolutely. So Absolutely. you end up at the ambassador. I did. Just as a fluke, you know, one thing led to another. A conversation led to another. Joe Mello was Portuguese. My father, they knew each other from the island. They were basically born the same year. Really? They lived nearby in, in, in little towns nearby, like a, a, a pony ride away type of thing. Um, and so, you know, I, I was looking for something and he said, sure, we could always use another another dishwasher on the weekends. He said, well, okay, great. I'm willing to do anything at all. So that, that was where I started at the Ambassador. You know, put on a, a rubber apron and 
worked in the dishes and pots and I was there till three four o'clock in the morning most most uh, Friday nights and Saturday nights up to my eyeballs and dirty dishes and dirty pots that's that's where I, where I started now the ambassador is one of those uh, businesses that has a great history of growing absolutely yes because I, I can remember when I moved here the ambassador was the spot at this end of that end of town yeah. and uh, it expanded and you ended up um, adding on some yeah, well, yes. space to the building yeah so absolutely. here you are you're starting off as yeah. a dishwasher when you're in high school yeah. and continued to work there part-time while you were going to Queens. Absolutely. Graduated from Queens and ended up working full-time Correct. at the Ambassador. Ended yeah. up as the general manager. Yeah. So yeah. it's the classic success story. Well, I guess... Starting at the beginning. Absolutely. Well, it, it's a success story to the point where I, I, I cut my teeth from the ground up. Yeah. I learned the entire operation, seeing and doing what everybody else did. So mm-hmm. what better way to learn how to lead if you know every single job that's there. There basically wasn't a single job there that I didn't do or didn't put my finger in. At one point, I was a disc jockey, too. You know, <laughs> I, did disc, I did disc jockey did for weddings yeah. and stuff, and weddings and dances and New Year's Eve parties, all sorts of stuff. Whatever needed to be done, you did. I did. There yeah. was, you need to cut grass. You need to, to put up drywall or paint or, or whatever the case may be, fold laundry, uh, cook onion rings. I was there. I would never said no to, to anything. Whatever they wanted me to do, I said, yep, I want to learn that too. Now, you developed a close relationship with the Mello family to the point yeah. where you married one of the daughters. That, that's right. Yes, it was, uh, yeah, I, I met her at the, I saw her at school. She was the same, she was at Regi as well. Okay. Didn't really know who she was. Didn't know who she was until I actually started working there. So here I am, this young teenager, you know, up to my eyeballs and soaking wet from tip to toe, working every Friday and Saturday night and one thing led to another, and it's all history now. And you married the boss's daughter. I married the boss's daughter. <laughs> and actually, the funny story about that is that uh, actually at one point in my in my career, I we, you know business cards was, was the way to go. You hand out business cards and stuff, and I actually put on my business card MBD. Married the boss's daughter. Married the boss's daughter because that's usually got a good conversation. You, know, you put your a lot of people put you know all kinds of letters after their name. I put an MBD. So, People say, oh, man, this, he must have, this is quite the degree, quite a, quite a smart guy. So when I actually told him what it was, people got a, a big kick out of that. Now, you were involved with the ambassador right up until the point where you and the family sold the business. Right. Well, actually, we had the ambassador, and then we actually uh, bought the hen and hole in 1996. Right. And we opened the Four Points in 2000. So the Four Points shirt was ours as well. That's right. So we built that from the ground up, built it, operated it. We sold the Four Points in 2012. And we sold the ambassador in 2014. So 2014, I basically, uh, you know, 1st of April, I hung up my shingle or whatever you want to call it. I hung <laughs> up my, my cleats, if you want to call it that. You took down the shingle. Oh, I took down the shingle. That's right. <laughs> there you go. And uh, and uh, away we went. Uh, we left about three or four days later and went on a tour of Route 66. Oh, did you? Yeah. So we left like uh, just uh, the first or second or third, fourth of April. And uh, you wouldn't believe where we were on my 50th birthday. On Route 66. It's the start of it was in Chicago. Yeah. We were in Chicago on my 50th birthday. And where did we wind up? At the United Center, seeing the Canadians and the Hawks on my birthday. Oh, really? On my 50th birthday. How cool is that? And the next day, we started on Route 66, heading all the way out to Santa Monica, California. We were gone for many weeks. Okay, so you've sold the Ambassador. Yeah. You sold the Four, four Points. points. Yep. Yeah. And you've gone down Route 66, yeah. and you're back in town, and you're I'm going, back in town. okay, I've hung up, I've taken down the shingle, sure. 
and what am I doing next? So in this interim period, because you didn't start here at the Kingston Pen, and we should tell our audience that we are recording this interview inside the pen. That's right. We're, we're locked behind the walls we're of locked. Kingston Pen. There's no one else here except Dave and I. That's it. We're the only two uh, uh, residents of KP at the moment. For a short period of time. For a short period of time, yeah. We're going to get parole The story with KP starts actually just before we finished, just after we sold the Four Points, just before we sold the Ambassador. Because in in 2012, the government made the announcement that KP was going to close. Mm -hmm. And it eventually and officially closed September of 2013. Okay, And at that time... Uh, you know, so that, that was big news. Everybody knew about it. It was closing. They're, they're shutting it down and people were moving out. So it closed the last, I can't remember exactly the last day that the, the pen was closed, that the last uh, person who worked here left. Um, at the time, there were, you know, the, obviously the United Way campaign had just started, early September. Uh, and the chairperson of the United Way actually had connections with uh, Correctional Services, was the, was the chair. I can't think of her name right at the top of my head right now. But anyway, an idea was, was thought about. You know, I was part a small part of that conversation thinking, you know, would it be a good idea to do some tours of Kingston Pen before it's whatever happens to it, right? Before it's not here anymore. Uh, you know, there was some discussion about, you know, how much should we sell, how many tickets should we sell, and this and that. You know, numbers were bantered about, and I was skeptical. You know, I didn't know. Would this be a good thing? You know, would people be interested in this? Yeah, you know, sure. You know, give it a try. Let's try it. See what happens. So they they uh, decided to do their their thing and uh, said, well, we'll see. What if we sell you know like two or three hundred tickets for twenty dollars each? You know, we'll get some volunteers to do it and we'll make five or six thousand bucks. Yeah, can't lose, right? Yeah, anything, right? So they decided to do that and put up. I don't know, I can't remember exact the number was and put it on the United Way website. Like within seconds of, the, of releasing the tickets, the website crashed. It was overloaded. I remember that. It was overloaded. They could people couldn't get tickets. They, they could not. People couldn't buy tickets. There were so many people on their website. So they went back and souped up their servers or whatever it was. This <laughs> a day or so later, put them back on sale again. Within minutes, it crashed again. So they were, what's going on here? So. So I, I get I, I, my understanding is that they uh, they went to the Leon Center, which was then K Rock Center, yeah. uh, because through Ticketmaster it helped them out with the creating some sort of thing. So I think they came to an arrangement somehow. They sorted them out and helped them out with uh, creating these ticket sales. And I, if I'm not mistaken, I think they sold about two or three thousand or four thousand. I can't remember the exact number in 2013. Mm-hmm. You, you can go back and check. Uh, but again, those sold out in minutes. Again, everybody's shocked. You know, wow, this is pretty, pretty cool. So they did that and stuff like that, and it was so successful that because CSC is, has a great connection, a long-term connection with United Way, and they also have a long-term connection with Habitat for Humanity. Right. So so successful for United Way, they decided, well, how about we do a, a piece of this in, in October, late October, for the Habitat for Humanity? They did it again, big sell it again. Hey, the die is cast in my book. I look at this and say, hey, hey. There's a gold goose laying some golden eggs. How do we tap into this? That's right. For as you know, for as long as we can. How do we do this? So the wheels started getting in motion, and I was involved a bit, you know, politically, this and that, strategically. I know how do we make these? How do we get these people together to make this a reality? Well, nothing happened. 2014 comes and comes and goes. Nothing's happening, you know. So 2015 comes and goes. Nothing happens. Finally, eventually. Mines came to be, whatever, and an arrangement was made through St. Lawrence Parks Commission, City of Kingston, Correctional Service of Canada, that the tours would begin in 2016. 
so that started, and they and they did the tours in 2016, and and they sold out virtually all those tickets in in no time flat. And it's it was crazy. crazy. It's crazy. crazy. The first thing. So and so and then uh, you know, and I was very I was very excited to see this happen, and I wanted to make sure you know what could I do to ensure that there's you know this lasts as long as possible. Mm-hmm. You know what 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 small piece could I play in this in this uh, puzzle. Whatever you want to call it, how do we keep this keep this going? Keep this going. Yeah. So you know, I wasn't looking for anything, but you know, somebody said, "Well, you know, they're looking for someone to manage. Why don't you throw your name in the hat?" You know, I said, "Okay." You know what? At the end of the day, you know, if it, so I throw my name in the hat, and lo and below, they thought I'd I'd be able to do a a good job here, and uh, this will be my third season now behind the walls of Kingston Pen. So first year, I was there, 2017. Um, you know, we had. Uh, uh, I can't remember. I don't have the numbers in front of me. Big numbers, and then last year, last year we did over sixty-seven thousand five hundred people through, uh, and then this year we're expecting another big year as well. So who would have thunk? Who, exactly. Who would have thunk? And people from all over the world, and people buying tickets from all over the world. So here you are. You have finished up your career in the hospitality yep. industry with the ambassador mm-hmm. and the Four Points, yep. taking a bit of time off. Yep. And now gotten involved in converting a really old penitentiary into one of the hottest yeah. tourist attractions in the country. Absolutely. When my family came back, those that have been here, they were really surprised at how much stuff there was inside these walls. Because if you're driving by on King Street, all you're seeing is one big wall. And Correct. you don't get a sense of the depth and the architecture and the That's buildings right. that are inside. That's right. And the history, particularly yeah. when the guides, because I think at the time they took the tour, I think it was in 16, they had a, a fellow who was a correctional Correct. officer in here doing the tour That's with right. them. And so they got a bit of extra right. information. And they still got that to some point. Right. Yeah, because we do have tour guides that we hire. Like we hire, uh, we, uh, hire probably about... Uh, 40 to 50 uh, students throughout the for the, to be tour guides plus we have about 25 to 30 uh, retired correctional service uh, people uh, guests mm-hmm. guards that used to work here uh, working here as well mm-hmm. so they give tours and they're also we actually have them stationed at different posts throughout the tour so as a tour guide is taking you through you'll stop at different locations like for example people won't know what I'm talking about if, unless you've been here there'll be a station at the north gate there's something at the uh, at the at the main dome at the shop dome at the RTC gym there will be retired CSC guards at those posts, so they'll bring them in, and then the CSC guard will give them a little tidbit of their experience regarding to what they did here in the pen. So, and the thing, and that's why the the tours are every tour is a little different because you just never know which of the CSC guards is going to be here and which tour guide is going to take you through. So each time you might hear, you might you know there'll be six, five or six or seven of them through. You, you, if they're different, you'll hear five or six or seven different stories. So it's not a bad thing to come two or three times. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> now, you alluded to it a little bit before the song about the proceeds from the sale of tickets yeah. uh, for these tours. And there's still a good chunk that goes to the United Way. Correct. And what is it? What's the percentage? Well, the, per, the proceeds, the, the, the proceeds of, the, of the tours, uh, there's a 50% to, of the proceeds go to destination marketing right. to help promote the site, promote Kingston, promote... Uh, tourism, tourism in, in general. Yeah, that, yeah, tourism general. And 50% goes to uh, the Youth Homelessness Project program through the United Way. Okay. So specifically earmarked to youth homelessness, those that are between, uh, you know, 0 and 24, I believe that's the number. You'll have to look on the, mm-hmm. on the, on the United Way website. But that's specifically targeted to, to youth homelessness, directed all the funds directed 
to there. What kind of money is going to the United Way, just to give people an idea of well, the number? Just a ballpark? Uh, yeah, I'd have to look back. The, the, I haven't got my notes in front of me right here. In 2016, uh, it was a little over $300,000 that went. Uh, in 2017, again, the years overlap and stuff, yeah. uh, was about $1.2 million. And then uh, last year, uh, we've already given them $500,000, and there's going to be a little bit more coming in because once we do the financial statements and audits, so there's not, there could be another sizable check coming as well to, to, to them uh, to the United Way for Youth Homelessness. Is that's a lot of money. Well. Plus, we haven't opened up yet this year. Yeah, that's a lot of money. Oh, yeah. Yes, it's a huge amount of money to directed at that, uh, that program. So when you talk about win-win, this is win-win-win-win-win. Like, you have to do it several times because, like, we hire the students. We give, we give close to 30 to 40 students full-time work mm-hmm. from April right till September and then some into the fall as well. And then uh, we have the CSC guards here. So they're all earning money. They're all paying taxes. And uh, the economic, if you look at it, the, just the, they did the economic impact of last year's tours, 20, 2018 tours, 67,500 people, close to a $6 million economic impact in the city of Kingston. So that's, that's pretty, pretty significant. Stories that you can share with us about what has gone on uh, within these walls over the years, just to whet people's appetite yeah. for coming for again, us. Again, my stories are just what I've, I've heard, because obviously I didn't work here. Uh, I hear different stories from some of, these, uh, some of the, the guards that worked here for you know, decades, and they tell me what the goings-on that was, that, that was happening here. So you've got to remember, this, is, this was like a city within a city like a self-contained city that was here, right? So everything went here. So at its peak, I think there was probably close to six or 700 inmates in here and probably two or three or 400. So there were almost 1,000 people behind these walls working and living and all that sort of stuff and doing everything that you would do in, in life. Like yeah. everything that was, was happening was happening behind these walls. Uh, so, you know, you think about uh, just what it would take to, to run an operation this large with the staff and the and the and the... And the I don't call them guests, but they're not really guests. The residents of the of this place here, uh, you know, the, the things that are that's that are the most uh, uh, memorable here, I guess, for people to, to is that is is the, about the riots. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a riot in the in 1930. There was one in 1954, but the biggest one was in 1971, the 1971 riot that happened here, and that made national headlines. And the armed military had to come in, and there was lots of damage done, and there was. You know, there was some uh, injuries to some of the uh, protective custody inmates. Uh, uh, fortunately, none of the none of the staff were injured uh, during that that time frame. So, to come in here and actually see where this happened, where these things happened, and and be pointed out and say this is where this hurt, this is where this happened, and this is what was happening here and stuff like that, it it, it, it gives you goosebumps. Yeah, it makes the hair stand out on the back of your neck because the first time I've heard it, I knew it, and I've heard it many times now. And, and depending on who's telling the story, it's it's. Uh, it's it's frightening. Yeah. It's 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 a scary place to be in here. You know, you know because anything can happen at any time, right? And uh, you know, and, and you have to give a, a huge uh, you know tip of the hat to all the people that work behind here, because it's not you know it's not the greatest of environment to work in, but they they, they did a, a fantastic job. And uh, you know, KP was is, is a notorious prison because a lot of the most uh, worst criminals in Canadian history came here. And if you do any research on them, you'll see, you'll see what who they who they were, right? So it's, uh, uh, you know, and that's probably what makes it a little more a little scarier is sure. the fact that there were this was a maximum security prison yeah. at one particular point, and yeah. like you said, all the the major um, 
uh, criminals uh, who were convicted of various offenses ended up here at one point or another. That's right. And so it makes life a lot more difficult for the uh, the folks who worked in here. Sure. Now, at one particular point, there were women in here as well, right? There were women and children. Yeah. Like when the first when it was first built, like you remember the the, uh, the this prison was built by the inmates. You know, the, all the all the rock that you see here, all the stone for these buildings were actually quarried. From Richardson Stadium, just up the street. Oh, okay. So that's how they, the Richardson Stadium, that's why it's like a bowl there. Mm-hmm. That's where they quarried all the rock for, oh, for really? Kingston Penn, yeah. So it all came from this site. So again, at one point, Kingston Penn, the property of Kingston Penn, uh, was from all the way from the shore of Lake Ontario all the way to the north of the 401. That was all oh. owned by Correctional Service of Canada. That was all Penn because they farmed and they and they took the rock and they did all that sort of stuff. So it was... It, they they work. So the thing is, they, you know, if you hear the stories when they first opened it, this was just a, a, and all it was a wooden fence around, and they got up in the morning, the prisoners over there, and they took them out to the fields and did, you know, you know, uh, hard labor mm-hmm. like breaking rock and farming and stuff. They had, they had they had paddocks here with horses and all sorts of stuff here. So it was, and there was children in here too. Women and children as well. So it's uh, this is the neat stuff that you learn yeah. when you come in and do a tour. <laughs> yeah. uh, near the ending of the program, and let's spend a couple of minutes talking about where this all ends up. Now, you've said the tour is still a major <coughs> destination for people from all over the country, right. internationally as well. Yeah. Um, where are we going to end up with this particular site going down the road? Well, you know, if it was if it was up to me. Yep. You know, obviously continuing on as we are right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year, we're actually, if you've noticed on the news, we're opening this up to the, the ability to, to film some more films in here, mm-hmm. do some more filming. Uh, we've always had, we've already had some interest with some producers and some directors and some people that are coming in to, you know, kick the tires around here and take a yeah. look and see. Yeah. Uh, and there's already been some significant interest in that respect as well, too, to do that. So, again, it's one of those things that uh, until a really great use is come up to do this, yeah. let's use it for what it's doing right now. Like, I, I think it's, uh, and I think the thing is, it, it most of the, a lot of the buildings here are designated uh, historically significant, so it's designated as a national historic site to yeah. a certain extent. So anything that happens here, a lot of these buildings have to remain sig- relatively intact. Basically, the way basically, they are. Yeah. Basically, the way they are. Uh, so it's this is a long, long term process. Like if if you look at the example of the women's pen, that's up that's just up the road there. Yeah. That was uh, closed in 2000, and we're now in 2019. So 19 years later. Virtually nothing has happened with that site. It's been sold a couple of times. I know Queens bought it. Now recently, the Dornicamps bought it. And let's see what happens with that site in the next little while. And uh, again, it's going to have to be community involvement. The community is going to have to support it. Yeah. Um, politically and socially and whatever you, you know, they're going to have to help support whatever goes there. And if there isn't support, it's just going to stay mothballed for many more years to come. Mm-hmm. With you know that site and the size of that building and the site that's there is is just basically a, a postage stamp compared to what's behind these walls here. That's right. And you just, you never know, you, can, you cannot uh, fathom the size of this facility behind these walls until you actually walk through these doors mm-hmm. and actually walk it and see it and, and experience uh, feeling it being here. It's like, you know, the, the, this is a, it's, it's a site that has huge potential. You know, people have been talking about Alcatraz and North and stuff like that. You know, if you look at the history of Alcatraz, it first started, you know, it was a, if you look at the history of when it, when it first became a tourist attraction, the first few years were not very good. Mm-hmm. It was a little bit like that. But, you know, once they started doing a movie or two and this and that, it got 
worldwide acclamation. Yeah. And then it's it's you know, and it's been going on for over fifty years. Yeah. Now and it's and it draws you know in the millions of people. I don't know what the numbers are down there. So, is there a potential here for this site here to do those sorts of things and and uh, hold different events here? You know, movies and tours and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, the, the, there's huge potential here. You know, it's going to take. It's going to take somebody, you know, people with vision. You know, it's going to take, you know, I don't know what it's going to take. Yeah. You know, somebody with deep pockets. Is it? Is it? Is a government involved that's going to continue on with this? You know, I, I guess I have to be at some some extent because this these are old buildings. There's yeah. a lot of money to upkeep and to maintain. That's right. You know, and uh, you know, there's not going to be just a single investor that's going to come in here and invest that kind of money without some kind of return. So, mm-hmm. public funds probably will be a a key component of whatever happens here. There's a lot of potential, like you say, and I really enjoyed our conversation today. Thanks very much for your time. Oh, my pleasure. Anytime. Theme music for the program is Stasis Oasis, a tune written and performed by Kingston musician Jim Aylesworth. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions about any of our episodes, please send a note to the Kingstonian Podcast Facebook page. This is Dave Cunningham from Kingston, Ontario. Thank you for listening. Until next time.